0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, check us out at isodblocks.com, where for $9.99 a month, you can subscribe, support what we're trying to create, and get access to lots and lots of other content. All the frameworks and concepts that we describe in the series are dealt with there much more at length, and we're adding new content and upgrades to the site all the time, so check that out. We're continuing in the analysis of the language of Birkas here because we're still in Siman Mem Zayin, section 47 of the Shulchan Aruch, uh, and we're in Halacha Hey, the fifth Halacha in the section, where the Shulchan Aruch essentially just articulates uh, in short form the particular language of each of the brachos that we say that comprise Birkas so we went through the first one, uh, which was the concept of Kiddushan of Sav, essentially, and the bracha of Birkas HaMitzvah, uh, and involving ourselves in the learning study saying, speaking of Torah and then we in the previous episode we did the second bracha which was about the dynamics of melding ourselves with Torah that we actually see what Torah is and, and develop a wanting for it based on shifts in our perceptions that the Torah itself is supposed to help with because the Torah is the map of perceptions that is accurate and full uh, and then this, the last bracha, the third bracha in this episode so this is the bracha of what's called Asher Bachar Banu and the language of it starts off with the regular bracha trigger phrase, Ta Hashem elokeinu So we're saying we want more of Hashem's presence, you, more, more of you, Hashem, the self that is behind all being, the one self that is beyond all multiplicity and diversity, elokeinu, that's manifest. Uh, through the multiplicity of existence, uh, all the different layers and aspects and diversity of being. Melech olam the one who is overseeing the layers and coverings of existence and directing all of it towards its ultimate purpose and goal. So that phrase is basically the awareness of Hashem trigger phrase, the increase in consciousness of Hashem's presence phrase that we say in different activities that we engage in, wherever there are brachos that are organized by Chazal, the sages of the Talmud. So it's basically, these are phrases designed to connect those particular actions or experiences to the larger truth of Hashem self that is behind all things, and all the layers in between, that's Melech Olam, the the master of all the layers of, that we call the Olam, which is, literally means the the layer of hiddenness. And now the particular key phrases that are unique to this bracha, Asher bachar banu, you chose us, uh, mikol ha'amim, from all the other groups, all the other nations, so, and you gave us, he gave us his Torah. So this, these, there's really two different things to break apart here. There's that he chose us from among all these other groups, all these other nations, and the second thing is that he gave us the Torah. So we just need a little bit of context as to what this means. Now the first part that Hashem chose us is actually a fairly well-known phrase because even in the secular world, the non-Jewish world, people talk about the Jewish people as being the chosen people. And often that has been used uh, both by Jews and non-Jews alike as sort of some implication of uh, of hierarchy or what well, people usually say, oh, you think you're better because you're chosen. And it's actually uh, kind of a funny thing if you think about that, um, the idea of the Jews being better because they're chosen, because the issue is that if I say somebody is chosen, if I walk up to you and I say, hey, you're chosen now, I choose you, the first question you would ask right away is, chosen for what? What are you being chosen for? Because you can't just be chosen in a vacuum. Just like when someone asks, oh, are Jews better than non-Jews? Or are, are boys better than girls? Or are girls better than boys? Like, better at what? The whole idea that there's some kind of uh, vague set of, of of standards that are in, that imply betterness or worseness in in, a, in an undefined way is actually a conceptual non-entity there's no such no such thing as that in existence so when then the, the implication is actually when someone says oh boys are better than girls or girls are better than boys so the implication is usually that there's some kind of a value assessment in which people are trying to what they're trying to say is I think that I mean there's actually a few things that could be that people are trying to say but the the basic idea is that there's some kind of ego association in, at play where it's like well I think that these people are intrinsically more valuable than those people in some way that we're not really going to bother defining. So the tricky part is that because we are all one self uh, on the inside we're all one endless self that is utterly unique, irreplaceable, immortal and intangible. So from that standpoint we are all equally irreplaceable and equally uh, immutable, equally special. Uh, and so from that standpoint, it's actually a ridiculous idea to try to compare any any people with any other people, simply because from that standpoint, we are utterly incomparable. And in fact, at the root, we are even just the same oneself. And so the comparison is actually silly because you can't compare one thing with when there is nothing else but it. So on the, uh, what, on the other aspect, the other end of us, is that we are oneself, but we are manifest inside of different bodies, each one which has its own unique set of traits and attributes. And so from that perspective, from that standpoint, we are all incredibly different and incredibly diverse, in which case each of us actually does have a different set of attributes, skills, talents, and abilities, in which case, yes, each of us is better and worse in many different ways from every other person. And so that's uh, actually a true statement then. The problem is when people just throw out this line like, oh, you think you're better than me, it's usually just an ego idea where they're actually applying the diversity and multiplicity aspect, the, the attribute side of our existence, to the essence side, to the soul side, and saying, well, it's fine if you're better than me or worse than me, and let's say you're better at, I don't know, sewing or playing football or jumping up and down or exercising or whatever, that's not a big deal. But if you think you're better than me on the level of essence, that you are actually more worthy than me on the level of your in- inner self, the in- in- the intangible self that is the neshama, and that I'm worse somehow, that I actually am replaceable. So now what's happening is they're implying an area of difference inside they're they're essentially taking from the the area of difference the arena of difference and diversity and they're bringing it into the wrong context into the area of their of the immutable intangible self where the idea of differences and comparisons are irrelevant and that's when people start to feel bad about themselves and create low self-esteem and comparing themselves to other people. And so that's all that, that that's the problem when you start talking about these kinds of hierarchical comparisons without any kind of real set of standards as to what you mean. And so what does it mean that we are chosen? Hashem chose us from the other nations. Well we are chosen for something specific. We have a particular purpose in existence. And once we can assess what that particular purpose is, then the chosenness idea becomes much more clear, both in terms of what it actually implies and what it actually means practically. And so that's there's actually a, a Gemara which, which explains exactly what this chosen concept means and we're going to just we're going to first just ask let's ask the question about the second half here where it says lanu es toraso, that hashem gave us his torah so this is clearly hinged on the first part hashem chose us and then gave us his torah as a result of him choosing us so let's just articulate the gemara here for a second there's two different gemaras one that describes it's also a medrash brought down in parshas Vizosa Bracha at the end of the torah that hashem offered the torah to everyone in the world He went around to all these different people and he offered them the Torah. And each group of people said for different reasons, no, I don't want the Torah. One group said, I don't want it because, oh, you're not allowed to steal, the Torah says. I don't want to be a part of that. That worldview, because uh, I like stealing, or stealing is important for us, so we don't want to not steal. Or one of them said you have to have certain kinds of boundaries in your sexual interactions. Another group said so the group said I don't think I want that. I like having unbounded sexual interaction to the degree that I choose. And so those other groups who were functioning through the lens of das tovara. So they're looking at the world and saying, well, stealing is fine because it gives me what I want. And the problem with stealing is that when you look at another person and you see that they have objects that are assigned to them, which is the definition of ownership, there's a self that is there across the way. And then you see that there are objects that are assigned to that self and intangibly connected to them through their perception. That's how that is the definition of ownership that you see that you perceive objects as connected to you intangibly, right? Your, your car, your stuff, your phone, these are not things that are physically attached to you. They are intangibly associated with you through perceptions of connection that are actually invisible that we define as legal ownership. And so when you see somebody that has things and you say, well, I want those things and you take them away from them, what you're now doing is you're actually reducing your awareness, your perception Uh, Of awareness of the self that is attached to those things. If I I steal your phone, what happens is now I actually develop less awareness. I actually damage my awareness of you as another self and I start to see you as just an object and I'm blocking out sides of you that are the, the most integrally You that there is, and so that's the problem with stealing. And similarly, with sexual, uh, unbounded sexual interaction, you actually are constantly augmenting the body side of your experience of somebody else and reducing the self side. Whenever you are engaging in sexual interaction that does not have proper boundaries and proper commitment and proper setting to actually allow for a balanced interaction that is both a body level interaction and also a self level interaction, and so those are das to vara. Uh, dynamics, because you're actually not seeing the totality because you're focused on just one aspect, the object that you want in the case of stealing, or the body that you're attracted to in the case of sexual intimacy. And so those people did not want the Torah because they were attached to their das tovara perspectives. And then we were the ones that show, we actually ended up accepting it. So there's another Gemara which describes that uh, there's a debate, I think it's between the Caesar, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania I'm pretty sure it's Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanania. Otherwise, it might be Rabbi Akiva. But it's uh, the debate goes like this: the Caesar, the king, the the non-Jewish king, says to Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanania, he says, um, "Why would uh, if there's a woman who's been turned down for marriage by multiple people, so then uh, the person who she ends up marrying, well, he's she basically just settled for him. So she just uh, she settled on that guy, and so you know that's uh, that that just means that she's basically a loser." And Rabbi Shuman Chania responds to this statement by taking a, a stick. And he walks up to the wall, and he tries to put the stick into the wall low down, and it won't go in. So then he goes a little bit higher, and it won't go in there either. And he puts it up, up high, and there's a, a gap in the wall there where the stick is able to push its way into the space. And he says, that's the answer to your question. And the meaning of that is that the initial idea, the marriage example, is referencing Hashem and the Torah, that the Torah was being was being brought around. The Torah is the woman going around, and uh, nobody wants her. Nobody wants to marry her. And then finally, we received her. We accepted her. We, we received the Torah and wanted it. And so the the Caesar's claim was that shows that the Torah is a loser. It's something which nobody wants because it's not worth anything. It's not something which is desirable. And Rabbi Yeshua response to that is he goes up to the wall with a stick and he tries to put the stick into the wall lower down. And lower down in the wall, there's a lot more pressure from all the bricks that are, that, are, that are above it because the lower in the wall, there's more bricks above. So the higher you go, the less pressure there are from the bricks and that creates more gaps and more space where there is more capacity for the stick to push its way into the wall. So obviously, this is not talking about like a mortared brick wall, like the ones that we have Today, um, but there is—it's essentially a stack of of material. That the higher you go, the less pressure there is, and there's more receptive the wall is to receiving that which is being inserted. And he says that's the answer to your question. And his point is that the in order for the torah to be for like the for the torah to be understood you have to be receptive at a certain state in other words the woman that was going around the problem was not that she was actually not valuable that she was a loser like she was not a desirable person it's that the people that she was being exposed to did not really see what she was they didn't have the developed capacity to appreciate all of what she actually was and so it's a difference between uh, a woman who is extraordinarily complex and and deep and and filled with many many different aspects being Uh, On a date with a guy who's very immature and small-minded and not thoughtful, so that guy. There are many, many guys like that, and then and there's only one woman like that. So then, many of those guys, all those guys, will simply turn her down because they just don't really get what. Why would they want this woman? And so the the proper guy, who's rare, much more rare, is a guy who's able to receive what it is that she is that she is broadcasting, that she is giving, that she has to offer. And so that's exactly the same concept as when Hashem chose Avraham. If you look at the story of Avraham, we have this much more in depth on the Chumish cast at yesoblox.com. But uh, the basic idea of who Avraham was, he's a person who was able to pick up the broadcasting signal of Hashem's presence in the world. He was receptive in a way that other people simply were not. And that's because his particular... Character structure and his the things that he had gone through in his life allowed him to develop himself in such a way that he was not as much embedded in the das tovara distortions of his time period. So he was able to actually slowly uh, 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 develop his ability to receive Hashem's presence, the signal of Hashem's transmission inside the world that's always being blocked out by our das tovara distorted. Uh, over fixation on the things that are in the world, as opposed to he, seeing the totality of what is in the world and what is beyond the world. So he was chosen because he was receptive. He was able to receive from Hashem, and that's exactly the same thing here. That the because uh, we are chosenness is a, is a function of that chosenness. We were chosen to be what we are because we received Hashem's presence. We wanted to the Torah. The Torah was a light that was shining out. Like it says again, it's uh, from in, in the menders by. By uh, in this bracha, that the Torah was like a beacon that was shining out into the world, and only we were really the ones who were uh, prepared to see it, and we said, we we want this, and that's really the, similar to the whole theme of the previous bracha Revna that we, are, we want this because we see what it really is, we appreciate it for what it really is, and we know that it is the key to existence in a full, true, holistic, fulfilling way, essentially the most authentic way that you can live. And so even if you don't immediately experience that with the Torah, that's what the second bracha was about, we're asking that we should begin to, to reformat our perceptions to see it as it really is, which is what we shared in the previous episode. And then this last bracha is the articulation of, well, what are we supposed to do with that? So it's basically saying, Hashem, you chose us, to be this because we are we were receptive to you to what you were sharing and then we took we're we're taking that and we now want to transmit that into the world uh, uh, in, in response. In other words, we are we're like prisms. We're we're we are booster transmitters. We are network nodes. So Hashem is transmitting and then we're 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 like uh, if you have a Wi-Fi node in your house, so you can have uh, the the basic Wi-Fi then you have a node which is a booster node which allows the Wi-Fi to then spread further. That's what we are. We are like the moon is. To the sun. We're supposed to be the reflection of the light of the sun. Into the world uh, through our own our own channel. And so that's what we are chosen to do. So when I said Asher Bachar Banu, that's what we are chosen for. Because we were receptive, because we were looking to receive Hashem's presence, so then Hashem chose us to be the transmitters as a function of our receiving. And that's exactly what the Torah is. We're basically receiving Hashem's thoughts, Hashem's being, essentially, and then we are absorbing it and manifesting it further into the world as a as a uh, as a way to bring the world's overall idea. Uh, landscape, concept landscape, perspective landscape, more and more back towards what it was once was before the distortion of the was uh was initially created and spread. And so that's really the second part. So that Hashem gave us his Torah, uh, as a result of our receptivity, that since we are receptive in that way, we receive the Torah from Hashem. We are able to pick it up because we're actually prepared to hold it, and then we share it further. And that's really what we're doing. And as we as we learn Torah, so this is the the third of the three brachos here, and they they really all kind of form. Uh, like a, a, a seamless, seamless unit, seamless entity here, where we're basically saying there's a mitzvah for us to immerse ourselves in Torah, and that brings us, that connects us to Hashem, and that's really stage one. It's like you're trying to plug yourself into Hashem again. Remember, you were saying these brachos when you wake up, so you're a little bit uh dehashemed You're have you're having a little more of the das tovarav of, of your body and of being asleep because you were sleeping uh, until that point, and so then. You you start up by saying okay there's a mitzvah to learn Torah that's how I reconnect myself to the Hashem process that's what a mitzvah is a groupifying dynamic of learning Torah and then we say but let's actually let's actually ask that we should try to access the headspace that this is what we really want because this is actually the full truth of reality and we want to we want to want what is as opposed to wanting what we wish. Was how things were, so it's, that, that that was what we discussed in the previous episode, and then ultimately the culmination of that is the is the bracha that connects the role that we have, that we are actually the the receivers of this because of who we who we have become as a people. Uh, in contrast to those who have not yet become anything like that. And then we, we, we receive that in order to transmit that into the world, to the world, to bring the world back to the state that it's supposed to be uh, in the pre-etadas phase. And that's what really what these three brachos are. So I hope that was clear. And we going to move forward to the next halacha in the next episode. So hopefully these, this will add layers, textures, colors to your experience of saying these brachos as they operate as awareness expansion uh, tools to help you um, connect your Torah learning to Hashem and your general perspectives of your Torah learning. Uh, to HM and deeper and deeper levels. Thanks again for tuning in and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.